Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Good to see everyone here today. Good to gather in the, the warmth of fellowship and fix our eyes on our Lord and, and uh, worship Him and hear from Him in these moments. Looking forward to being in James chapter 3 today as we pick up our Sweet Sanity message series with James as our, our pace setter. But before we get there, quick, uh, I'm going to share a quick highlight with you that happened this week. It was both highlight and humbling. It was Tuesday morning. I was already... Uh, deep into study in this text when I heard Tyson say, hey, John, there's something you got to see out here. And so I stepped outside the office and right next to the office door was this air compressor. And this is not any air compressor. This is the compressor of compressors, Craftsman. Um, and on it, this note, John, no cut hose, no out of order, no card reader fail. Enjoy the free air. Oh, my it blew me away. I was like, who did this? And immediately I thought of, it was, it's humbling to receive this. And as I saw the word free air, it hit, hit me. This is not free air. It's free air to me, but this came at a great cost to someone who bought this for me. If you weren't here the last week, I gave an illustration where I was trying to get air for my car tire. Couldn't find it. Drove all over town and it was a mini trial. And, um, a number of you came up after church like, hey, I've got an air compressor. You can drop by. Our salvation, a free gift from God, but not free, you know. And, and then as we extend grace to one another, we do so in the name of Christ. And so I just want to say one thank you to whoever did this. As I pump my air our tires back up, bike tires, car tires, I will think of you. I will also think of the kindness of our Lord and His grace poured out to us. The, uh, it also, uh, I re- realized, I now join a band of, of uh, a fraternity of people who have air compressors. So if you are running low on air, car or bike, we live by uh, Gary Aiken Park, so if you're cruising the park and you need air in your bike tire, drop on by. Just text me, I'll open the garage door, there's waters right above the air compressor. And uh, I'll even give you a mini sermon if you want one for like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just a neat picture of, of God's grace and also your hearts to us as I mentioned last week, how you love your pastors and families. And we want to say on behalf of uh, Tyson and Wes and, and Kyle and their wives and families, you are so generous to us through your Christmas gift and that's above and beyond. And so thank you. For that we're humbled and just grateful to get to serve alongside of you. One more highlight from this past week we need to celebrate. The Lord added another teammate to our church family in the person of Hudson Lee Fox. And so Thursday he entered, or Wednesday entered the world. Thursday came home to be with fam. And I uh, texted in with Kyle this morning. They're they're hanging in there. They're excited. They've gone from two to three. So. Went from uh, man-to-man to zone defense, but uh, so grateful that um, for little Hudson, what a gift to them, and for uh, the safe delivery for Abby, and uh, just praying for them, and and uh, yeah, grateful 
for him. I was reminded of Psalm 127, verse 4 and 5, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so Kyle's quiver is filling up and excited for another little one. All right, well, today we continue this message series, Sweet Sanity. And just to give you, uh, or give us again the big picture, and if you're just joining us, where we're going with this. So the, uh, the, the big picture, sanity, we know, is thinking rightly about life. But we're using it in the context of thinking rightly in terms of uh, how God defines truth and reality. And so it's seeing life as he sees it, instructs us through his word, uh, pride is the great insanity when we are wise in our own eyes when we decide you know I know what's best in this situation when we think life is about us we see ourselves at the center and we make decisions based on that and we, we decide it's my life that's the great insanity the antidote to that insanity is humility Humility is seeing ourselves rightly before God with each other, and it leads us to a restored sanity. But, it, but where we're moving with James is humility is more than an attitude or a perspective. It's an action. It's a way of life. And that's where James, he calls us up off the couch, and it's week after week. It's moving in this life of sweet sanity. Sweet sanity is humility in motion. So today our text is James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And in it, we will be equipped to see and seek one of life's great treasures. He opens with a question that gets us thinking. Verse 13, he says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? So great question. Who is that? And if you were to think about right now your own life and your realm of relationships, who would you list as being somebody who is wise and understanding? This question immediately raises a, another question as we think through our, the people in our lives. What is wisdom? So we know wisdom is more than knowledge. It's not just having a lot of knowledge, but it's knowing what to do with our knowledge. Someone has said wisdom is skill in living. How to, and in the spiritual realm, it, wisdom is knowing how to take truth, a, a word from God, and then appropriately apply that truth to a, a certain life situation. It's the capacity to, uh, to understand God's word, apply it, and then do so in a way that brings glory to him, good to the people around us, and where, where we taste the joy of a life well lived, where it's, it's not a life that clucks and, and kind of is hitting guardrails or even going off a cliff, but a life that's um, the path of life that Jesus describes for those who follow him, the abundant life. We know the source of true wisdom is the Lord as he distributes it through his spirit. There's a spiritual wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. And through his word and through his people are avenues of wisdom. True wisdom is a treasure to pursue. And it's interesting, James is kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. But you go back to who wrote Proverbs in the, the Old Testament at Solomon, and it's really a book about wisdom. And you mention wisdom to him, and he just lights up. He can't stop talking about it. And especially the benefits of it. And one of the places we see this, we'll just read this together, is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Solomon is speaking, and he says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, 
those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and those who hold fast will be blessed. And then in verse chapter 4, verse 7, he says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Like this is the start. Let this be your pursuit. Your seek after it. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom, though it cost you all you have. So this is so valuable. Wisdom, true wisdom. Empty out your bank account. Sell your stuff. Sell your house. Sell your to get this. He's speaking with hyperbole, but but accentuating the value of it. Verse eight. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. So back to the question, who is wise and understanding among you? What's neat about this question is it awakens three desires in our hearts that are helpful desires to seek and see true wisdom. The first one is this, when, when that question comes out, who is wise and understanding, he drops it into their, their community of faith, into their church there's a personal desire. I hope I show up on someone's list that, that I think is healthy. Wouldn't it be great if even it's a noble pursuit, so wouldn't it be great if we were all wise? Who is wise and understanding among you and we could all fit that category and, and uh, be that? It moves us to des- this desire to, to gain this wisdom. It also awakens in us an interpersonal desire. Okay, whoever lands on that list, who is wise and understanding among you, I want to be around that person, to glean from this person, to, to learn what they've learned, and, and to, uh, they've found the treasure, so to hang out with them and, and um, perhaps find the treasure as well. And then there's a corporate desire that, that forms as well as a church family, how important it is that we learn from people who are truly wise. Or to say it another way, the people who are influencing us, our leaders, and both here and as we uh, receive from the, the uh, church at large throughout the world, are marked by true wisdom. The people that we allow to influence us and shape our uh, life decisions and directions and understanding of God and His Word, that these people are truly wise. Who is wise and understanding among you is the question. Now, it's helpful here to, to just, we're jumping back into James, so to remind us where we are in the book, in the culture, uh, where, where he's writing into. Remember, James is a, a leader in the church in Jerusalem. He's writing to churches, and he is, he has just, chapter 3, been talking about how damaging hurtful words can be and our tongue can be. And he's saying, hey, not many of you should choose to be teachers. So, He's writing into a conflict situation, which for him was real. This is not theory for James. I, I picture James being the guy. Remember he said that if, when you let words, words come out of a, a heart that's not right, it's like sparks that are setting forests on fire. It's like poison that's killing people. And James, he's the guy that's had to put out some of these forest fires. 
This is, he's been in real churches with real people dealing with real conflict and the effects of people who are spewing these words and these teachings that are dividing people, hurting people. He's had to pull arrows out of hearts of people that he knows, the arrows of hurtful words. So James, we say, James, you're coming on a little strong in chapter 3. And Tyson gave a great message on this. And to us, James would say, or as we, when we understand the context, it's real people, people he loves, and a real conflict. Okay, we, we see that. So where we're at with this text, he, he presents the problem in the first part of chapter 3. This is the solution. He diagnoses, this is the solution. Next week, we'll continue on with the, the solution or the prescription for, uh, for the problem, for conflicts and, and things like that. So the question then, James, what's the answer? And he answers it there in the second part of verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in, humi- in the humility that comes from wisdom. So the answer, who is wise and understanding? It's the one whose life is marked by good deeds that are done in humility that come from wisdom. So this word humility is a uh, tricky one to, to, to translate. The NIV here translates it humility. Often it's, which is an okay word, but a better word would be meekness or gentleness. This is the word translated gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. When Jesus said, um, take my, my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is the, the word gentle is the, the word in view here. So it's that word that it's power under control. It's not passivity or, or a, a weakness or a, just a, a wishy-washiness. But this is a, a, a person who, um, as they steward their power and their influence, they're doing so with a gentleness, a, uh, a sensitivity to the Spirit's lead that comes from, from wisdom. So, okay, James, we, we see that, but, but what's that look like lived out? And what he does through the rest of this text is give us a picture of what it is not and then a picture of what it is. And it's so helpful for us as we seek to to see and then seek true wisdom. The first picture is what true wisdom is not in verses 14 to 16. He says this, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition. So harbor, that picture of you, you create a safe place in your heart, like a boat would, would pull into a harbor and dock. You let bitter envy, so like a jealousy for another person, and selfish ambition. So the pursuit of elevating yourself is your primary motive. If you let this heart, these two things harbor in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder and every evil practice. So, what true wisdom is not is this. What seems to be wise as we make decisions, as we do life, but is tainted by envy and selfish ambition, this is not true wisdom. And it raises, it, it leads us to the question and really getting below the surface, why am I really doing what, what I'm doing? 
What, what's moving me, motivating me to make these decisions? And to ask the question, is there envy? Am I doing this to, to, because I'm jealous of another person or seeking to outdo them? Or is this about me and, and seeking to, to uh, create my identity around what I'm doing and, and uh, elevating myself, seeking my own glory? If it's about me or elevating myself, the decisions we make or I'm making are not wise decisions. But not only are they not wise, what's interesting in this text, we find the triple threat of evil. They are of the world, of the flesh, our sinful desires, and of the devil. And it's a descending, the world system. It's interesting, the world, it's, the world's playing checkers. We're called to play chess. Uh, we belong to another kingdom. And the world playing checkers is chasing power, position, possessions, land, money, and titles. And the wars rage on, have and always will. Christian, we're not playing for that stuff. Now, is there a place for government and law and order and freedom and liberty? And, and these are guys, and yes, there is. And we should defend and protect these things. But, but as a Christian, we are citizens of another country and we are not playing checkers. We're playing chess. Under the authority of our king, we're seeking to the good of souls for all of eternity to take the gospel and to share that, to live that. And church, we are an outpost of that kingdom. We should model what that looks like to a, to a watching world. We have true wisdom, and it's living in light of, of our king and his kingdom but when we live in light of this kind of wisdom, worldly wisdom, what's the result? We see it here. The result is disorder, which is a word for tumultuous chaos and every evil practice. Last night, Shannon Sharp, NBA basketball game. Do you guys see that? Anyone see that? Go on Twitter. It's like crazy stuff. And what is that? It's about me, man. Disrespect me. Comes right. I heard there was a basketball game. I won't mention the school. But it was girls' fifth and sixth basketball game where the sheriff had to be called. Guys, what, 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 this is, we're losing our minds over stuff. It's not true wisdom, right? It's, it's the, uh, what, and it's what, it creates disorder and every evil practice. So the warning in this text is clear, and I mean, it's blinking red light warning. Watch out, watch out, watch out for the person who seems so wise but is fueled by envy, selfish ambition. They are destructive. They may be smart, successful in the eyes of the world, persuasive with their words, even very religious, but they're not wise. Who was it that crucified Jesus? those who are wise in the eyes of the world, the religious leaders. But what was really in their hearts? It was selfish ambition. It was their desire to be in control. And, they, uh, and you have, where you have that, you have uh, destruction. This picture also leads us to do a heart check, doesn't it? And just check our own hearts and say, am I allowing envy or selfish ambition to, to dock in my soul? Am I harboring envy towards anyone in my life this morning or reacting to them in pride? Or am I harboring selfish ambition 
fuel to elevate myself. And if we are, may we uh, just, even today and even now, I just encourage us to confess that. Just ask God to purify us. I, I feel like this is one of those that it's a daily seeking his purity and uh, his forgiveness, but also that he would give us his heart in this. So we see what it's not, what true wisdom is not, but what is true wisdom then? And James goes on to paint the picture here with seven qualities of of true wisdom. As he says this in verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so notice the first, uh, the first part of verse 17. Where does wisdom come from? Or where does true wisdom come from? And he's like, this wisdom comes from above. This is a gift from the Lord. He provides this. this when he mentions this, this text points back to another verse, uh, James chapter 1, verse 5. That's such a comfort. It's a promise. And God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask me, and I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to you generously. So when he lists these seven things, what's he, what's he listing for us? Really, it's a prayer list. When we pray for wisdom, this is what we're praying for. And so we can ask God, Lord, would you, um, and, and great list to, to pray through this morning. Pure. It's the idea of being cleansed from mixed motives and just a pure desire to love God in, in the situation and love the people around us. Peace-loving, true wisdom does what brings people together. True wisdom will unite people, will reconcile people, will bring harmony. Consider it. It's the idea of putting self in the other person's shoes and really thinking about them and their perspective and seeking to understand what's going on in them before we make judgment. Submissive, this is a word that the English doesn't quite get to the Greek, but it's the idea of not necessarily um, just putting ourselves under others, but it's being submissive to reasons, uh, willing to hear logic of another person and staying open to change our minds should their logic measure up. So it's the opposite of being just stubborn and, and dug in. But, but there's a sweet reasonableness that, that we hear um, as we interact. And this next one's so good. Full of mercy and good fruit. So true wisdom is, and when you see the word full of something in the Bible, the word full speaks to motive. Uh, it, it's what propels us. It's the, the controlling uh, motive of our hearts. And this is a, a great picture, and I love where other parts we see where we're called to love mercy. But it's that idea of, when somebody hurts us and offends us, what do we love to do? Show them mercy. Forgive them. Like we, we are full of mercy. It is our, in our character that we just want to forgive you. We want to overlook that offense. We want to wipe it away and never remember it again or, or use it against you again. That's our heart. And isn't that a beautiful picture? That's true wisdom that God calls us to. Impartial is means uh, not wavering based on social context so it's the idea of of standing for what is right and the good judgment regardless of who's in the room whether they like that or they don't like that whether they're a power person or not a power person or 
it's impartial to, to who's around us. I love the picture of Jesus where they, they're like, you obviously don't care <laughs> who's listening. You're not swayed by um, the social context. And then the word sincere is, means to be free from hidden motives. And true wisdom is just what you see is what you get. And being open and honest with, with who we are and, and where we stand. You know, as we're reading through this list of seven qualities, can you, do you see who's forming in this? I just, who is true wisdom? And it's Jesus Christ. You just see the beauty of who he is coming together. He embodies each of these qualities in perfection. And again, who, who is it that we follow? Who is the, the one that shows us the way to life? It is our Lord and what's beautiful, how he ends this, where you have true wisdom, you have peace, shalom. And where you have shalom, you have a harvest of righteousness. And just a beautiful picture, all bringing glory to God. So what is our fitting uh, response to this today? Three action steps emerge. The first one is to seek true wisdom. I think this text calls us to, to desire this and to pursue this and to pray this. To say, Lord, would you give me this kind of wisdom as I make decisions in life, as I interact with the, the conflict moments, but also just the everyday ordi- uh, ordinary moments, would my life be marked by this? And wouldn't it be great if, if we could be on someone's list as a source of wisdom as we do life? Second action step, learn from wise people. So this is where we surround ourselves with people who are pursuing true wisdom. And the picture today is imagine your life and you uh, will make some, every day you're making decisions, but you'll make some very big decisions that will shape the trajectory of your life. But God has given you the ability to, to invite five people to sit on your board of directors. They're the board of directors for your life around your table. And just picture that. Who, who would you put, who would you uh, invite to be a part of your board of directors so that when you go to make a big decision, you, you say, guys, what, ladies, what do you think about this? And what a gift God has given us in his community to have people who are pursuing true wisdom and that can guide us in this way. So I would invite you even uh, today to, to let this be a little exercise. What are the categories in your life that you really would appreciate wisdom, true wisdom? So a couple examples. Obviously, the biggest are relationship with God. So a spiritual advisor or spiritual mentor. So um, who would you put in that category? Family would be another big one. How do you navigate family in the seasons of life and family? And do you have someone who is truly wise in the, the realm of family, seeking true wisdom? Uh, money is one of the great, you have to have it, but it's a, man, it can turn on you and, and drag you into all kinds of hurt and pain. So how do you manage finances? A, 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 someone who is truly wise in the realm of managing Money, or you could add um, time, is, is even more valuable than money. We have a limited amount of it. Um, fitness, our bodies, and see, Matt Portwood, we're starting the year. If you, if you need a truly wise person in the realm of physical fitness and that can help you, um, chronic health fitness was uh, just a great resource. Even here within the, one of our, our members, other categories, and these are just some samples you can add. Your own career would be another one. Somebody that's in your career, but they're a Christ follower and could help you with, with true wisdom. 
So here's the, the challenge for us. Then, to go ahead and just schedule a meeting with, with, these, with your board members and say, hey, I'll buy you breakfast, coffee, lunch, and just go learn. And what a gift God's given us. I walked into the Pancake Emporium there in Prestwick a couple months back, and there was Daniel Brown, a brother in his 40s, sitting with Rick Baker, a brother in his 70s, back in the corner table. And they're just having breakfast. And so later I talked to I was like, Dan, did you guys, what, what was going on? He goes, it's nothing formal. It's just I get together with Rick and, and learn. And like, man, awesome. Um, this week, I, working out at the deck, there's Roger Stroop, pastor at Calvary. He's one step ahead of me in season of life. He's, I think, in his 60s or whatever. And I was nudged. You know, he's got a lot of wisdom to navigate the season that we're in, entering the empty nest. And so I'm like, Roger, I want to buy your breakfast. I've got some questions. I just just want to learn. And so you can hold me accountable. That's on my to-do list this week. But what a gift to go receive the, the, uh, the true wisdom from those around us. And then the third action step is as a community of faith, may we follow people marked by true wisdom. And I'll make confession here of your pastor. Over the years, I've followed some leaders or allowed leaders to influence me, leaders out there at large in the church universal, who have very impressive gifts, but were not truly wise, as God defines it here for us. And it is so tempting, isn't it, when we see people out there that have the flash and that, man, they can speak or they can lead or they can, they're trendy and it, it's uh, a leader who, who all, it's almost like they give us Jesus in a way that syncs up with our personality and our, our style. And it be, can become about a certain personality type or a certain social subculture or even a certain religious vibe. And it's, it's not Jesus, it's this, almost like we create Jesus in our own image and run after this thing. Guys, true wisdom, <laughs> it's humble service, you know? That's what we're looking for, that's where we see it, and it's right here. And so may the Lord help us to evaluate those who we allow influence in our lives those who lead us, to see them through the lens of true wisdom, deeds done in humility. So, wrapping this up, we're, we're gonna, we get to wrap it up with a picture of, of a true wisdom in action that is so good. This comes out of the Old Testament. So David has just been, or was anointed king, but he's in the waiting room. Multi-years of running around in the wilderness as a fugitive. Six, he's, 600 uh, rag, ragtag soldiers have gathered with him. And they're out there in this wilderness. How do you feed 600 soldiers? Well, what they would do was create, it was kind of a bit, a bit mafia-like, but they created protection for, nomad, for farmers. They would guard the sheep, you know, and not let any animals or thieves or whatever get to their sheep. So, and then it was an understanding that this farmer then would pay them with some food once the season for uh, reaping was, was upon them. So, they're protecting, David was uh, protecting a guy named Nabal's sheep, very wealthy man, and did a great job protecting the sheep, went to ask for, hey, can we have some food now? And Nabal not only denies him, he disrespects him, which we know to a guy, I think that's the biggest thing for David, you just treated me with contempt. 
And uh, David is not happy. David has just let Saul, the king, off the hook. He, so he's, his life's been threatened. So he's a man, <laughs> I picture a man on the edge. He's a little jittery. And, uh, and then he gets this disrespect and this deny from Nabal, and he flips. We have the flip moment here in verse chapter 1 Samuel 25, verse 13. David said to his men, each of you, strap on your sword. And so they did. David strapped on his as well. And about 400 men went with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Nabal, Nabal's Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were like a wall around us. The whole time, we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. What wisdom is not is Nabal. He's this guy that's just stubborn, stuck in his ways. Well, Abigail, she acts quickly, and basically, to sum it up, she unloads the fridge. And she's like, take all this food, go meet David, I'm coming on my donkey. When she arrives on her, it's a, you can just picture the scene in your mind. David's coming down from the hills, and there's this dust. 400 men, just mad, swords ready to go. And here comes Abigail to meet him. Verse uh, 21, David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing was paid, but nothing uh, was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. If by morning I leave one male of all who belong to him. I leave alive one male. He's going to take them all, all the men out. Is this a wise decision? <laughs> Based on what, how God just defined wisdom. <laughs> no. This is major overreaction. I mean, even if he had, okay, what's a just response? Guys, strap on your swords. We are going to go fill up our fridge with three-month supplies. I mean, that's, okay, that, that might be somewhat wise. He's flipping out. He's overreacting. Uh, certainly not showing the seven qualities that are listed. But God saves him from himself <laughs> in the form of a wise woman. And a bold woman, she goes out, Abigail goes out, and you can read what she says, but she goes out, kneels before him humbly, and I'll pick the highlight of it up in verse 30. When the Lord had fulfilled, this is her talking, she says, when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord, for David, every good thing he promised concerning him, and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed, or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. And then how does David respond? And David, it says, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And what a a great picture of true wisdom in, in play. We see it in Abigail as she goes with boldness, but also humility and speaks truth to power and does what, what is needed in that moment. We see it in David being open to reason, even in the heat of his uh, being rejected and, and just being mad and on the edge. He's, he's um, that idea of, of submissive to willing to hear and willing to 
to hear logic. And then we see it in the result. You think about what could have been chaos, death, mourning, kids losing their dads and all that stuff. And what, what do we have instead? We have life and we have peace. And God, the judge, steps in. And you read the story, what happens, um, Abigail goes home, Nabal's drunk, she waits till the morning, she tells him, hey, this is what just happened. We had an army coming at us. He freezes up and uh, has a stroke or something, but, and, uh, is, and then 10 days later, it says, God strikes him dead, takes him. And David hears about this and is like, God, thank you, I know you are the one, you are the avenger, I don't have to be... But then David does another wise thing. He makes Abigail his wife. <laughs> and he's like, this is a queen. I'm going to have a few more of these moments. I need her in my ear. And, uh, and she becomes his wife. So what's the, the gift of this text to us today? It's, it's the sweet sanity to see wisdom, true wisdom, and to seek it. And that's the, the calling to us today. Who is wise and understanding among you? How can we know? Who, who goes on that list? Look at their life. Is it marked by deeds done in humility? And then God through James gives us two clear pictures of this wisdom. Picture one, what wisdom is not anything that's marked by envy or jealousy and selfish ambition. Picture two, what wisdom is. The seven qualities all found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the challenge of the day is to see and seek true wisdom. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today and just the uh, clarity that this gives as we navigate a world that's really living with another value system and another kind of wisdom. And we pray through your word that you would just reframe how we see life and help us to live in, in light of that. We do pray this morning that you would forgive us for the times that we've allowed our motives to be tainted by envy and selfish ambition and just pray that you would cleanse our hearts and replace that with love for you and a love for those around us. And we pray for the purity that um, we read in verse 17, just a, a heart of pure motives. We pray that you'd make us peace-loving and to be actually peacemakers who would go out and where there's conflict that we would be willing to step in and, and help, uh, help people come back together and not be separated. Help us to be considerate. To, uh, to seek to understand what, where others are coming from. Help us to be submissive and not stubborn, but open to reason. Help us to be full of mercy, Lord, and desiring to forgive and, and excited to forgive and to uh, overlook an offense. And help us to be impartial, not swayed by those around us, and sincere to be truly who we are and uh, not hiding or um, having false motives. And Lord, our prayer for our lives and for our church family is that it would be a, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of people doing the right things for the right reasons, all for your glory. And that our church here would be an outpost of heaven for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.